Today's episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, your one-stop location for all your gaming needs. Located in Lehigh City, Utah, their fun and friendly staff will be more than happy to answer any of your gaming needs. Just remember, Gamers Inn, it's where adventures begin. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Welcome to Dungeon Crawlers Radio, where you just got told some very interesting information. Spoiler alert, that's a lie. That's yeah, a, but well, can I mean, you imagine how many eventually. people only watch the movies and just be like, if you read the books, Harry Potter dies, and they'll be like, what? What? Yeah. Freak out. He's supposed to. He should. Sorry. I was part of the group that wanted. So we have author DJ Butler, the author of Witchy Eye, which if you've been watching our feed, why haven't you bought the book already? Because it's awesome. It's, Did you finish it yet, Dan? No, uh, I'm like, on the way. Getting through, yeah. You know, like, no, it is large. It's it's been a great read. It's been awesome. Uh, actually, I'm reading through this faster than Bob Salvatore's books, which is his books are the ones I normally read through really quickly. I can't put it down, except for I have to right now because otherwise no one would listen because we would be dead air. Except for the giggling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's us. That's the us. giggling. The giggling joy. So, so witchy eye. Can we have the author? I will allow the author because you guys okay. totally raked me over the coals the last time I didn't do that. So, would, it was just like half hour ago. Would you like to try to pronounce his name? Is that... I just what said it, DJ say? Butler. Yeah, that's a hard one to pronounce. <laughs> okay, so there we go. I like that. So, right. a little bit of background on witchy eye and what it is. So, witchy eye is about Sarah. Sarah is a witch. A hexer. She's talented. Uh, she's funny. She's aggressive. She's uh, fiercely loyal and smart. She's also paranoid, xenophobic, and mean. And uh, on the day of the tobacco fair in Nashville, a Yankee army chaplain and a wizard tries to kidnap her because uh, Sarah is not who she thought she was. She is the daughter of the dead Empress Mad Hannah Penn, and her uh, father, the living Emperor. Uh, Sorry, her father, another father. Her uncle, the living emperor Thomas Penn, has learned of her existence and wants her killed. It is an epic fantasy uh, and a quest and a fairy tale and a journey in a western set in a very alternate 1815 America. Wow. It's awesome. Stop. That was a lot. I was going to ask what time time frame this is set in, but an alternate, okay, say that again, an alternate. Deeply alternate 1815 America, yeah. Yeah, I was reading it and I'm like, wait a minute. This doesn't exist, but this is so much. But this is awesome. Of, it kind of does. Where, when, why, what? I know. Yeah. It's amazing. And uh, so, what made you decide to kind of take, you know, 1850s American, then to say, "Hey, I'm just going to make it something completely different." <laughs> so, uh, so I wrote this. I wrote the first draft of this book in 2011. Mm-hmm. So, going on six years now. And at the time, I was reading to my kids the uh, Brothers Grimm fairy tales. Originals. And, uh, well, not in German. 
but the the unexpert dated ones. Mm-hmm. Now, originals is a good question. We could talk about this, but <laughs> Wilhelm Grimm rewrote those in subsequent editions. There's a lot to say about that, uh, but uh, but uh, Open the bo- uh, a barrel, a can of worms. <clears throat> yes. Well, yes. well, in fact, they're not really folk tales. A lot of his informants, people thought were uh, German peasants, were not. They were middle class French Huguenots, uh, and a lot of the stories had actually been borrowed from an from an earlier, uh, not folk sources, but a an author of fairy tales who was French. That's another story. I was reading, I was reading the Brothers Grimm, but it's fascinating what he's doing because uh, he's not. He's not who we think he is. He's actually Tolkien. That's who Wilhelm Grimm is. So, uh, so I was reading the Brothers Grimm, and I was also uh, I was reading. This is a confession of my own ignorance. I'm embarrassed to say this, but I was also reading a history of the Thirty Years' War, and I realized uh, that the setting for the fairy tales in the, the Brothers Grimm collection was early modern Germany, which is pro- probably should be obvious, but I had never realized this. Mm-hmm. This is, this is the kind of setting where you can have in the same town a mayor and a city council, but also a princess. And also there's an emperor. And that that really existed. That's what the Holy Roman Empire was in early modern, yeah. early modern Germany. And, uh, and I, had, I had never made this connection. I thought, oh, this is cool. I need to write a, I need to write a story uh, in this setting. And at the same time, I read a, uh, a book called Albion's Seed. Albion's Seed is actually a work of American history. It's by David Hackett Fisher, one of the great living uh, historians of America. And it's about the early migrations from England into North America. And I said migrations plural, because the point of Albion's Seed is, although we think of ourselves as having come from England and having been a migration of English people, there are actually multiple English migrations from different time period that came in different time periods from different parts of England to different parts of North America. So uh, the earliest being the uh, people from Southeast England who were Puritans and came and settled Massachusetts Bay mm-hmm. because they were a disfavored religious minority in, in England. Uh, and then Cromwell comes to power. Uh, you have the Republic. Some of them go back. But the Royalists in Southwest England, the, uh, the uh, uh, party of the king, right, the Cavaliers, uh, are now out of power and a bunch of them come to America. And, and they settled in the Chesapeake. And, and it's not trivial. The, the difference between these is not trivial. They have different naming traditions. They have different religion. They have different ways they behave and dress and build and think, different social structures. And then the Appalachians come, and then the Quakers from North Central England. And, and these are all very different groups. And so, and, and this, was, this was another piece. I said, okay, you know what? I actually don't want to write a story set in early modern Germany. I want to write a story set in early modern America, rewritten to look like the the Germany of the Brothers Grimm fairy tale. So this is America, 1815, that is an empire with an elective emperor who has been the pen land holder for the 30 years since the lightning bishop Benjamin Franklin organized the uh, powers of the empire to sign the Philadelphia Compact of 1784. Uh, this is an America which has not been tainted by the sort of original sin of real-world America, which is the slavery that, has, that really uh, was entwined deeply in our economy for a long time and ultimately led to the Civil War and lingering problems today. Uh, it's an America in which the First Nations, the Native Americans, were not destroyed. Uh, it is also an America in which the Mississippi and Ohio rivers are ruled by an ancient god, who exists in an alternating father-son form called the Heron King. 
in which the one form is Peter Plowshare, who has long, peaceful reigns, and the other form, Peter Plowshare's son, is always Simon Sword, who is a great destroyer, bringer of justice. And uh, so in addition to Sarah being discovered by her uncle, who wants her dead because he sees her as a threat, the other thing that really kicks off the action is that Peter Plowshare is dead. And it's been a long time, and no one really knows what this means. Uh, what this means for the empire, but but war and destruction are coming. That's crazy, Scott. There's so much. And I was like, there's so much history that I just want to know that wouldn't even like be part of the book. That's like you got to learn all this stuff first. I want to plug. I want to plug right now. <laughs> Everybody in middle school and high school, this is why you pay attention in your history class because you can turn like a little bit of what you learn in history into something amazing yeah. like this. Because this sounds like you pulled a little bit of everything, even the God of the Old Testament versus New Testament. Like that's just. Wow. Can you understand why I can't put this thing down? I know. I was like, that sounds so cool. I was like, there's so much to learn. <laughs> I was going to say, does it come with an encyclopedia? Of, this really happened. This didn't, you ignorant jerk. You know, I got a comment like that on Facebook yesterday. Like, the book's actually been out. What's today? Today is Today's Thursday. Thursday, yeah. So two days ago was the book's official release. And, and a friend, a Facebook friend, guy started reading it. And his comment was, I'm 70 pages and I like it a lot. You kind of need like an encyclopedia. Uh, and but we live in the age of, of Wikipedia, so the truth is, if you've got your phone, you True. can look up stuff, and also you don't need it for the story, right? It is it is a rip roaring action uh, adventure tale that starts with guns drawn in the first chapter and a murder in chapter two, uh, but it also has as one of the bad guys Oliver Cromwell, the necromancer, uh, and uh, <laughs> and a lot of tie-ins to real to real world history. Mm -hmm. What? You just have this look of like, oh my gosh, this what? is awesome. Oh, you mean I'm, I'm smiling? Is you that, you have that, this giant... Is that the look? Smiling, yes. Is that, apparently a, my smile means... You have a bit. Cheshire cat grin right now. No, it's just I'm excited about this kind of thing, like about that alternate history. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and that is one of my favorite things as well. Like when you take like parts of history but then kind of change it to other things. I'm like, oh, that'd be yeah. so cool if that's how it went down and stuff like that. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. So how would it be if it did go down this way? How would it be? Yeah. Well, that's, that's what the book tells us. I know. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But I'm also excited about uh, the alternative history about the Native Americans and mm -hmm. about the fact that if we hadn't had the, the mass, uh, whatever, you know, what we had, I mean, it, without the Trail of Tears, without all these horrific things that happened, I mean, mm -hmm. how different this country would be today, but let alone 150 years ago. Like, that's just... Yeah. Like yeah. the creative wheels in my mind are turning, and I'm just thinking, what if, what if, what if? So maybe I should just shut up and read the book. I mean, no, there, there, there is a lot of possibilities. I mean, because this is uh, how many, how many books are you planning with this? Well, so there are three books under contract, and I think realistically, I probably need five books to tell Sarah's arc, mm -hmm. and then we'll see. You know, hope I'm mean, so far the reception's good. I got a starter from Publishers Weekly. Uh, uh, hit up to number 4,000 on Amazon's list in the day of release, uh, several of the hot new releases lists. So, you know, if things go well, I'd like to write many. Because, I mean, this would be something really easy that after Sarah's story's done, you could easily jump up a few hundred years and yeah. have, have a story there. Uh, or back. And in fact, if yeah. your uh, uh, viewers are listening right now, there's a short story on Bain's website. Bain had me write a tie-in short story to promote the book, and it's at, uh, you should have a link from the front. So Bain is the publisher, B-A-E-N, B-A-E-N.com, and uh, there should be a link from the front page. A short story is called De Britannici, which is Latin. It means British gods, and it's a short story. It's a prequel short story. It's set in uh, about 100 years earlier, and it's about John Churchill, 
mm-hmm. uh, who was the ancestor in real life of Winston Churchill, who was in real life the great leader of the non-French countries, the military leader of the non-French countries against Louis XIV. For 10 years, he fought the French armies in Europe, and he was undefeated. He was made the Duke of Marlborough for this. Uh, this is why Churchill, Winston Churchill was an aristocrat, because his great-great-whatever-grandfather was John Churchill. So in, in this universe, uh, John Churchill is the man who frees England from the necromancer Oliver Cromwell. Uh, and the short story is about the moment when... Uh, there you go, you found it. It's, about, it's actually about the moment when to uh, defend his army against an act of sorcery from Cromwell, uh, Churchill uh, turns England from Christianity back to paganism. It's wow. a story about defensive excommunication. So, uh, so, 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 if you're listening, readers, or you're, if you're, if you're online listeners, you can you can find the story, get a sense of what you guys about. And some of its background history. Okay, I do have a real quick question because um, I know that there's probably so many questions like circling around uh, weapons. Oh yeah. I mean, because obviously it's called witchy eye. We've got necromancers. I mean, yeah. is there a necess- Was there a necessity for the industrial revolution to produce uh, the gun, or is this a sword and witchcraft based, or is it more of a steampunkish? Yeah. The the uh, technologically, the world is pretty much where it is in the real world in 1815. Okay. Including some specific weapons. So there is a troop of soldiers called the Imperial House Light Dragoons, or known as the colloquially as the Philadelphia Blues. They are the bodyguard troop of Thomas Penn, the Emperor. Uh, and uh, they're part of the forces trying to kill Sarah. And they are fighting with a Paget carbine, which is an actual carbine uh, short rifle from the period, right? Uh, so this is, you know, flintlock weapons. Okay. Now, if, if this is an interesting question, and I have not asked this question, or at least I haven't. I don't know what the answer is. What happens in this world in forty years? Yeah. Right? Uh, like what happens when you hit the period people are starting? I mean, because because right now there are there are so the the blues have um, uh, paper cartridges, mm-hmm. right? So they carry around on their strapped to their horses like a wooden box with holes drilled in, and each one has a paper cartridge with ball and shot already in it because this quickens loading, right? So, uh, well, what happens in thirty years in this world, right? Have you got uh, have you got cap and ball guns? Have you got... And I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I, I hope to have to find out. That's exciting. Hear that? Buy the book so we can all find out. Old West. Like, mm-hmm. He'll write it, so he'll, he'll tell us eventually. I will. will. I will. <laughs> Maybe I'll put it up for a boat. Yes. <laughs> but now, there are also swords, right? I yeah. Mean, it's still... Absolutely. Okay. But, but also pistols. One of the main characters is a guy named... Um, well, as we meet him, he's named Bad Bill. He's a drunk and he's a thug living in New Orleans, and in chapter one, he kills a man. He's paid to kill a man, a young uh, romantic rival of his employer, and he does it, commits a murder. Uh, but uh, Bill is formerly Captain Sir William Johnston Lee. He is, an, he is a cavalier. Uh, he is an army man. He's an officer, uh, and uh, he is in, he's fallen from grace, and he's hiding. And so one of the story threads is about Bill's trying to redeem himself and become the knight that he used to be, but he is a pistolier. He's a gunfighter. Uh, uh, so yeah, there are guns, there are swords, horses, okay. Okay. and magic. Which is awesome. Who doesn't want magic? Right? I, don't know. I, I have another question, but I feel like I should let... Go, keep going. Because, okay, you so are on a roll. Oh, right. Like, is it handed down from generation to generation? Or is it yeah. like a learned art? Is it... Yeah, good question. Or am I not allowed to know for, for spoiler purposes? You can know. You can know. So, um... 
I risk sounding like I have an axe to grind here, um, but I'm going to say this anyway. So we're in this trend now in fantasy literature where some of the big successful names are really famous for devising magic systems. Okay, And every series have to devise a new magic system. Mm -hmm. My magic system is based on gems, it's based on light, it's based on colors. Okay, I hate that. <laughs> Fair enough. It is completely fake. It has nothing to do with the way with the way real world magic works, right? What it ha what it is really modeled on is games. Yeah, it's like Magic: The Gathering. You're playing a card game. Okay, so like fantasy literature led to fantasy gaming, and now fantasy gaming has given birth to a different kind of fantasy literature, which is imitating games. Now, the problem with that is a it's boring. Be it sort of ridiculous. Have you seen the magic, uh, the madness of King George? Yeah. Play the film had Nigel Hawthorne. It's about King George III. He's insane. Okay. And all throughout the film, uh, he has uh, doctors who are trying to diagnose his health, looking at his poop. Mm -hmm. And so they show up and they like he's 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 gone to the bathroom and they've got like this metal you know or a porcelain bowl and they go oh your Majesty's stool was very firm this bodes well oh I'm concerned for your watery stool right. That's what those magic systems remind me of. If I have the right kind of poop, I can fly. If I have a different kind of poop, I can be strong, right? It's silly. So, uh, it's all in the Especially when you break it down. It's all in the poop. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Yeah. So, so uh, witchy eye, as much as possible, uses real magic. There's astrologer, astrologers in there. There's a tarot deck. Uh, there is a... Uh, there is German magic, both a tradition... A uh, pagan tradition of Vitki that came with Wallenstein and his refugees with the firstborn during the Thirty Years' War and settled the upper Mississippi River, but also Christian German magic. And this is a real tradition, Braukerei, uh, where, uh, in fact, one of the, 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 the best-selling grimoire in America in the 19th century was called The Long Lost Friend. The Long Lost Friend. Look this up. And you can get it today. You can buy it in German editions of translations. It's a spell book. But it's a spell book where the spells kind of sound like prayers. And the prayers are Christians. And they have traditions like, uh, they call them uh, the Ahimelsbriefe, okay? Which is, a, which is a heavenly letter. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, the tradition was that the texts that were copied over and over again in this heavenly letter had been originally revealed. And if you wrote the letter neatly and with prayerful intent and you were magically talented, you had this letter that would bless you. People had these things, they go pay a Brauker, a Brauker in sort of American-German dialect meant someone who tries. I'm willing to try for you to get a good result. Uh, to uh, I wish I could get paid for that. I'm going to try for you. I'm going to try for you. <laughs> I'm not going to promise or, you. Or they called it well, yeah. Or they called them hexmeisters. Oh, oh, I like that even more. Uh, <laughs> it sounds that's more familiar sounding than, than Brauker. Uh, but people would have these things made and like hang, build them inside the Walter House, right? Or or carry them folded up as a defensive term. That's real. That's a real world, and people still do this, by the way. In some parts of Pennsylvania, and uh, and, uh, and and Braukerak, to your direct question, uh, some traditions insist that it's passed down in the family and has to alternate sex. So mother, so there's a, 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 a female uh, hexmeister, hexmeistress teaches a male pupil, teaches a female, etc. Within the family, so there is also a voodoo hungan, uh, a voodoo priest who is. Uh, who is part of a mariage loa. You don't really see that in book one and book two you do. He's married to two goddesses who appear to him and give him uh, extraordinary charisma. Uh, and uh, that's in Witchy Eye. Uh, 
and uh, as much as possible, I try to use real magical traditions. Now, underlying at that, and I call this grammarite, there's sort of a more theoretical kind of magic uh, that Sarah participates in, where uh, you can, if you have the talent and the will, uh, and you can uh, bypass a lot of the apparatus uh, and act directly on principles like sympathy and contagion. Now that's real world too. It's sort of real world academic like uh, James Fraser's The Golden Bough kind of stuff. So, uh, so there's lots of different kinds of magic mm-hmm. uh, in witchy eye. As much as possible, it is very close to real world magic. Your wow. mind is blown, isn't it? It's like, where did so much? I know. Like, I, we'll just, we're just going to sit back and let you talk for the next. <laughs> I, I do want to say one joke because I, I find I'm, I'm my self defense, my defense mechanism is humor. Yes. Um, he's married to two goddesses. Yeah. Yep. As a man who's very intimidated by women. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's terrifying. Yeah. Because if you made any, if you ever make your wife mad, you're already in trouble. You're already dead. But if you make your goddess wife mad, I mean, can you imagine the trouble? And all of a sudden you're married to two. Like, that's just, that's... Well, maybe you just make one happy, the other one's unhappy. They f- bicker between each other, and you just slip out the door. You have kids, Daniel. Does that ever work to actually pit them against each other? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, there you go. You just said it. I've never, that's never, that's never worked for me. And I'm, okay. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm anyway, kidding. Back to the real world magic. That, that's, yeah. that's... I wish I had something to say about that. That's amazing. No, it's really that's cool. exciting. I want to read more. But I feel like any question I ask is now. No, I mean, Dave and I had a, a conversation about this uh, where we talked about where I'm kind of bored of these weird magic systems where what happened to traditional, ooh, it's a wizard, he casts fireballs or sleep spells and lightning bolts and stuff like that. And now we have to have counterbalance with physics and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, it is cool when those came out, but it seems like now that's the trend or the fad is that to make uh, for to make the magic system that way instead of like what we used to see with Tolkien I mean Gandalf he wasn't there okay do I have enough coins to uh, push the Balrog off the bridge (laughs) (laughs) trying to push tin but he is pushing steel yeah Um, I mean but nothing against those series or anything because I mean that they're fantastic for that but I just miss that I miss traditional magic and this has that and a lot more which is awesome and even more book two really you see uh uh, you see, is a shamanic initiation about two thirds of the way through book two. This character named Lumen Walters, who was who was sort of bitter over his lack of personal power, and so he's sort of a, a a magic thief. He's constantly stealing from traditions and begging initiations and taking people's grimoires, and so a lot of his spells they come out of the Long Lost Friend, or I have a book called The Magus, which was published in 1801, I think by a guy named Francis Barrett. You can buy it today, uh, Francis, F-R-A-N-C-E-S, Barrett, two R's and two T's, The Magus. That's a fantastic book. It is a, it is an, it is a spell book. And you go through and it's got uh, information about how to, uh, you know, star symbols and how to use candles and, and what different gems do magically and uh, full-on actual spells, but it's all woven in with uh, exhortation to lead the good Christian life so your spells are your magic is effective, and alternate stories about the Bible, like Adam and Eve taking the philosopher's stone out of Eden, right? Uh, so that's kind of, that's the space that witchy eye is Okay, in. now it sounds like we're doing fan fiction here. What's going on about <laughs> It's a spell book. It has yeah. stuff in it. It's awesome. Check it out. The Magus. 
the Magus. M A G U S. Sounds awesome. It's cool. Yeah. So said book two, but I still assume that won't come out for like a year, right? That should be next year. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna mark you though. I, and the book is two thirds written. It'll be turning on time. Okay. You'll be next break. Well, no, I mean the cool thing is uh, it is published by Bain. So if you don't know who Bain is, Bain is uh, really well known for publishing Larry Correa's Monster Hunter books, uh, which are famous uh, internationally. I mean, Larry has a lot of fans. Um, Pretty much those guys that love guns love Larry's books because it's all about shooting up monsters. Uh, And and already Bain's done an awesome job with promoting this book. I mean, it seems like it's everywhere now. Yeah. Um, I just got uh, some print, uh, copies of print magazines today, Uh, Sci-Fi Magazine and Publishers Weekly that have the ads for the book. Oh, nice. So, yeah, it's been very exciting. Bain's been very, very supportive there. I love working with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not to disrespect any of my other publishers, but uh, I'm thrilled to be with Bain. Yeah, and it has a really cool cover. I mean, you have a picture of Sarah with her eye, which is just, I mean, yeah. it just jumps out and says, hello, look at me. Yeah. And, yeah, just yeah. a fantastic cover. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to reading Dan Dos Santos is the cover artist. I gave him notes for the cover to book two a couple weeks ago. Uh, now, he didn't exactly follow my notes for book one, so I can't guarantee he'll do it for book two. <laughs> but uh, but uh, the idea would be sort of pan the camera back. And so the cover right here is Sarah. That's Sarah. That's her eye. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the story, it is swollen and infected and dripping pus and is never opened. Uh, a few chapters in, she takes a knock to the head and learns something surprising about herself. Um, so uh, the chapter, the book two cover art suggestion is, is uh, shows her holding some of the regalia of the kingdom that she, is, that she wants to recover, her father's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cahokia, one of the seven mound builder kingdoms of the Ohio, of the firstborn descendants of Adam, but not of Eve. And uh, standing on a low mound surrounded by seven uh, weathered stone-shaped like canine teeth, which is a real mound. It's a real mound in the uh, archaeological site of Cahokia, where all the mounds are are oriented northwest, except this one, which is oriented towards... Uh, sunrise or sunset at the solstice, depending on whether you're talking about the uh, spring or the, or the summer or winter. Where do you find this information? Like, how do you acquire this knowledge? So Dave reads a lot of books. Uh, when we were up at Emerald City Comic Con, he, he had a stack of books. Yeah, <laughs> but, that, yeah. that is true. There's, there's a lot of fun ancient Americana in here. So Cahokia was a real place. Uh, the Woodland Indians had a high civilization in the Middle Ages that we have, which have no writings and most of the archaeology has been destroyed because the early Americans just bulldozed it and built over it. We didn't really try and recover it for a long time. But it's also got things like uh, the American megafauna, Eohippus, uh, the dire wolf, the aurochs, uh, giant sloths. Uh, there's a persistent piece of folklore slash uh, alternate history, well, that's not the right word, uh, kind of outsider history about red-headed giants in America, there's a lot of there's a lot of old stories. People finding skeletons of seven or eight feet tall humans, often with red hair, in New Mexico and in Wisconsin. So they're in there, right? So this is uh, pretty much everything bitching I ever found in the last ten years is in this book. <laughs> I was like, there's so much in that book. How many pages is? It? <laughs> yeah. Like, See, and that's that's exactly what I'm like. As I read it, I want to be able to say, oh, this one was based on reality. This is something 
like it was based from this idea from ancient German mythology, and but this is like something that is actually found, and that's just. And I will tell you Ooh. that my goal is to get so close to the line that you are never quite sure. That you're never 100% <laughs> oh, sure. So you're a jerk. Okay, that gotcha. I, you're like, did Dave make this up? What is this? So our kids I'm just going to start quoting class. it as yeah. history. And they're like, the, that didn't happen. You're like, oh. And, and George Washington, <laughs> the lightning bear. Wait a minute. That's yeah, that was ben, Franklin. ben Franklin. Ben Franklin, the lightning bear. Yeah, the lightning bishop. Yeah, there are also White pop culture jokes in there. Awesome. There's an Incredible Hulk joke, and there's an Elvis joke, and there's a Dr. Seuss joke. So... You know, no one has, no reviewer has yet pointed these out, so I'm hoping someone sooner or later finds them. Well, it's been out two days? Two days? It's been out two days, yeah. Yeah, time. yeah. yeah. Give them time. Yeah. Give them time. You're how far through it, Dad? Halfway? I'm halfway, yeah. You missed one. You are I, not halfway through it. Are you? Yeah. 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 I literally get, I was supposed to take it up with me, left it on my coffee table, came home, picked it up, and I, I've just been reading it ever since. It's It's been great. Oh, I know. I have I know. so much to catch up on. You do? So much to catch up on. But, so, I mean, this is, this is the fantastic thing is you've been able to take historical events, twist them around to your yeah. own purpose in an exciting way that just makes a thrilling story. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, honestly, just, I mean, the, let's, let's just look at the first few pages. I mean, Obadiah, he's a jerk. Yeah. And he's just... <laughs> And you get, you get it right from the start. You just get an instant sense of the character within a few sentences yeah. that they're in, which is just fantastic. Oh, I, I love stories like that. and I mean, that was the, the thing that it, it hooked me and pulled me in fast, which is good. Cool. Thank you. So with that said, I mean, we're almost out of time, unfortunately, but where can the listeners find you in case they want to, to follow you on social media or anything yeah. like that? So I'm on Facebook. There's a lot of Dave Butlers, but Dave.Butler.16 is me on Facebook. I'm on, uh, I'm on uh, Twitter, at David John Butler. Uh, my website is DavidJohnButler.com. Any of those should, uh, they sort of all link to each other. You mm-hmm. might be able to find me. Yeah. And if you're at any convention, look for the Giant Bards Tower booth, because yeah. Dave is probably there with a top hat. He's like, with his top hat. He, yeah. he is selling books like crazy. I've ever seen him without it. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, oh. it's a John Bull hat, it's a short top yeah. hat. Yeah. So, and for I'm those of you that will be in the Salt Lake area, he will be at FanX with the Barge Tower. He will be the uh, best person there, probably. Uh, I don't know. There's some tall guys. Some cosplays are made some with tall guys. guys. There are some tall guys. In. So I see guys that are taller than me. There was like a seven foot guy wearing like yeah. a, was it like a Halo costume yeah. or something. He looked. He was a, he was in a full Spartan yeah. uniform, uh, and then he, yeah, and then uh, he had a Spartan shield and Spartan sword for like. The, yeah. uh, no, Spartan would wear like you know Leonidas and that, uh, that's funny. and then he had the the horse tail on top of the the helmet. That was huge. Yeah, there were yeah. some huge. But at the booth, I've never had anyone taller than me. That's, I'm that's tall, fair. six eight, six eight, pretty tall. <laughs> yeah. Run out, get the book. Go, you can get there quickly by going to our website, dentalcarsradio.com or dcrshow.com. And right there on the front page, uh, there's a beautiful image of Witchy Eye next to Don's Hill. Click on that, and I'll take you right to the Amazon page, and you can pick up a copy. And a question real quick. Are you going to be at FanX? Yes. I am. Yep. I'm at FanX, and I won't be at any. I'm not in the paneling this year. they got a very mm-hmm. small, I think only three rooms for panel or something. Yeah. So, a lot of, so I'm not at the panel, which is great. That means I'll be at the booth the whole time. You can get, anytime yeah. you come to the booth, I'll be there. And the best part is? Free autographs. You can free buy, autographs. You just free buy the book, you get a free autograph. Yeah, he was going to charge five bucks, but now I can't do it. Thanks. No, that's okay. <laughs> no, no. In no. fact, if you come to Fanex, I have a friend of mine, uh, David Young Art and Design, made two-inch, t- he made chibis, 
little Japanese style cute drawings of five of the main characters in Witchy Eye. If you come to Fanex and buy buy Witchy Eye for me, I'll give you a full set of five chibi stickers oh, on two cool. inch tall volumes. Pretty awesome. The five main characters. Five main characters. Yeah. Well, there you go, guys. All right. Well, with that said, uh, we're out of here. It's morphin' time. First try.